Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Have you ever wondered about the real impact of creator-driven campaigns? Well, prepare to have the curtain lifted. Today, we're going behind the scenes with the guru of analytics himself, Whaler's own Gaz Alushi, where he'll deconstruct the media magic and reveal the game-changing data that proves the monumental role of creators in today's marketing landscape. As the first president of measurement and analytics at Whaler, Gaz has reshaped how we understand the impact of marketing initiatives. With a track record that boasts roles at Snap, Meta, and more, Gaz is a visionary leader behind groundbreaking measurement solutions. This year, Whaler commissioned Nielsen to conduct an extensive media mix model analysis to show the contribution of creator content within the overall media mix. Today's episode unveils the undeniable influence of creators where hard data meets creativity. From, get this, a staggering 2.4 time ROI driven by creators to the symbiotic relationship between creator content and various media channels, Gaz's insights promise to reshape your perspective on modern marketing. Whether you're a marketer ready to harness the potential of creators or eager to understand the nuances of media impact, this episode is your gateway to enlightenment. I'm very proud of what you're doing. Smile for 15 seconds out a day and make the world a better place. Welcome to Everything is Better with Creators, brought to you by Whaler. Join us as we dive into the latest trends, news, and strategies shaping the creator economy and learn how it's driving innovation and change. Well, hello, my friend and colleague, Gazalushi. I can't believe that it will take a podcast to trap you for a good 30 minutes and ask you every question that I want to ask you about measurement. I'm happy to be here. And your title at Whaler? My title is President of Measurement and Analytics, but I like dubbing myself unofficially as the chief nerd only because I think you see it. I get way too passionate and excited when like the numbers and the science and the data of it comes up, you know, the stuff where everyone else starts falling asleep. I'm like, this is the exciting part. You have a lot of credibility and expertise. And while we laugh, this is a fundamentally core uh, component to what makes Whaler different. So you do know what you're talking about. I mean, I like to think I do, but no, it's in, my background is fairly interesting. I started working at this boutique market research firm in what you would consider the true um, brand research, right? Like brand health tracking, copy testing, 
understanding whether or not brands hit their like equity KPI. So worked a lot in the adult beverage space. And then I moved on to Millward Brown, part of the Cantar group to like really get more of that rigor in terms of segmentation, copy testing, consumer attitudes. And I switched after that to go to IRI, which a lot of people know that as a syndicated research and data platform. And then after about a decade of doing that, I started at Facebook. And this was way, way, way back when Facebook was just a desktop app. There was no mobile presence whatsoever. After spending about six years there, I went to Pinterest for a brief time. And then the last three years I spent at Snap, which I mean, took everything I'd learned about data and analytics in um, the digital and social space and just cranked it up to 12 because you had Apple coming in, changing the world with their ATT framework and removing identifiers and eliminating tracking. You had California coming out with the California Consumer Privacy Act. All of these things suddenly changed from how measurement and analytics were done historically to everyone was like the apocalypse is nigh and we're all going to die and what's happening. And the spoiler alert is everything's still measurable. No one has died. Things are still fine. Everyone found a way to accommodate the regulations and the new norm. So then that brought me to Whaler. So let's talk about that. That's a really good jumping off point because when marketers are thinking about measurement and they're not the analytics person, it does feel like it's the apocalypse. Every day there's another headline that makes us all feel, A, we don't know what we're doing, and B, we're not allowed to do what the things that we thought we could do. So it's not the apocalypse? It's not the apocalypse. There's a few things that I think we need to cover off when talking about like what it actually is. The first is you hit the nail on the head. Marketers do feel the apocalypse is coming. The message I would have for marketers is give yourself some grace. Oh my God. Like when you actually look at the developer documentation that each of the platforms put out there that, you know, Apple puts out there, Google, it's changing multiple times a day. It's like, oh no, wait, now we've changed the lead time to three days, not two days. Oh, just kidding. We changed it to zero days. And what is happening? So be kind to yourselves. Like you really are doing the best you can. And no one's an expert at everything in this. I'm not an expert at everything in this. And this is my bread and butter. This is what I'm doing. Like it's a constant journey to learn. And the reason I say it's not the apocalypse is we're trying to reconcile the way things were always done with the way things could be done. But what the actuality of it is, is with so many more metrics coming out there, so many more Every media platform is developing new touch points and these touch points have new surfaces and there's new ways to reach the consumer and there's new ways they're building affinity for brands. You can pair that back and come up with some brilliant basics in terms of we want to get in front of the eyeballs, we want to measure how many eyeballs that saw it, and we want to tie it against our total sales or whatever your actual definition of success is. I have yet to see, and you tell me because you are very in tune with what the market is saying. Do we have marketers saying we have no way of measuring sales? Do we have CFOs out there saying, well, we, we don't know. We, we did quarter over quarter. Let's just assume we're up and to the right. No, people can still measure it. I think what's not happening is the hard conversation in terms of what are the right inputs to get the right outputs, right? So how many of these are oh my God, we should look at engagement rate for every single campaign. Should you? So let's go into 
what you call measure what matters. And many people say brilliant basics, but let's talk about the fundamental myth in the creator economy about creators that you so aptly have identified as the is one of the mantras at Whaler. I'll let you deliver that. I'm the marketer. You're the you're the subject matter expert. So you can deliver the expert the expertise. What's our mantra? Creators are media. There you go. I love that. We didn't even set that up. But why is that so exotic? And can you unpack that? I think that is actually such a sophisticated question, right? Because what that means is creators can be planned against. This, I, I think we've been bucketed for so long against like, this is a PR play and this is a stunt. This is a flashy play to get headlines and uh, to get, you know, different metrics. Let's get engagements. Let's get followers. Let's see what the re-engagement rate is. But actually when you boil it down, Creators are getting you eyeballs. Consumers who are actively involved and actively care about the content the creator is putting out there, it's a dialogue. They're included as part of the conversation as a broader community. All of those buzzwords, you're getting the reach, right? When you think about any other media touchpoint as a planner, as a buyer that you are executing against, the number one thing you're going to ask is how many eyeballs am I getting? What's the effective cost for those eyeballs? How often am I getting in front of those eyeballs? And what is that giving me in context of the rest of my marketing mix and my media mix? How, mu how much more am I doing there? And so that's what it means. It means you can actually plan against this. You can go to a host of creators, 20, 50, 100 of them, depending on what your brand goals are, depending on what your vision is and say, you know what, I know that this is something that will scale for me. I know this is something that will add value. And I want to measure that impact the same way I'm measuring it as anything else. And that's the second component of it. Not only can it be planned, creators can be measured. Da -da -da -da, lightning bolts, I'm waiting. Is somebody going to strike me from the sky? Because that statement is, is so seemingly exotic. I can't tell you what how often it is we're talking to a client and they say, what do you mean they can be measured? And it, I, let's just dwell on that for a second. So creators are media, number one. Two, creators can be measured. Help, help me clarify that for anyone that's listening. So I think the best way to think about that is let's pretend our brains are etch-a-sketches and like get creator out of there, get social media out of there. Let's say you are an old school media planner, you've been doing this for 30 years, you knew what copy testing was, you knew what ad tracking was, you knew what brand health tracking was. How would you measure the effectiveness of that ad in the past? You would do copy testing, you would actually determine, did people remember seeing this ad? How did that ad make them feel? Did it make them consider buying the product? Did it want to make them learn more information? Okay. How do I set up an experiment to see what worked and what didn't. You can do A-B testing. Suddenly it's, well, I'm gonna have a creator produce two different types of content and I'm gonna do my own content and I'm gonna see which one performed better, which one got me higher reach, which one got me higher frequency. And I can then test it against control to see which one drew, drove higher sales, which one drove higher consideration. Anything that you can measure, and this is the beautiful thing about the creator economy, there is not an app that is just for creators, right? Like no one's like, okay, I'm done on TikTok for today. So now I'm going to open my creator app. Creators are right there on TikTok. 
right next to the brands. That means you can measure it the same way you're measuring all of your other TikTok activations. They're there on Instagram. They're there on YouTube. They're there on Snap. And when you're talking about measuring creators, and I'm just going to ask all these really detailed questions, because people do ask this. Are you talking about creator content? Are you talking about a sponsored ad? Are you talking about a, a quote unquote commercial, whatever that means on the platform? Unpack that. What are we talking about as the unit that you are testing? The answer is all of the above or choose your own adventure. So you have really those two options there. And when it comes to all of the above, all of it's measurable, right? Like there's ways to do um, brand lift studies on all of that, whether it's the sponsored post that's only delivered organically, whether it's the actual commercial deal that you're amplifying in partnership with the creator through paid media, all of that is measurable in different ways. The question I would always pose back to a brand, and you've seen me do this is, well, which is the one that's going to scale Right at this point, you are most concerned about scale. And I kind of just made myself cringe with that because that's become such a cliche in the social media world, right? Like, does that scale? Does that give us scale? Well, for a media buyer, yeah, that's what you care about. You care about whether or not this scaled and whether or not it's getting you the eyeballs that you need to achieve those goals. And this is the best plot twist ever. As a media planner, you know what your thresholds are. You know what your inflection points are. You know, if I reach 20 million people in the US, if I reach 7 million people in Germany, I know that that's after that point, I start getting my diminishing returns. I know that at that point, I stop being really efficient with my media plan and I should be investing. You already know all that. You can apply those learnings with the creator economy as well. Why do you think Anything that gets put into the creator bucket, people lose their minds and forget the fundamentals here. Because you talk about creators, that is sexy. It's like we have these entrepreneurial people who have built these communities and these communities are so vocal and so involved in what's happening with these creators. And there's the possibility to bring them into the fold. And then there's Gaz, the nerd, talking about reach curves and inflection points <laughs> diminishing returns it, it goes back to being human like you have this really sexy topic you forget that you have all of these benchmarks all of these norms and all of this institutional knowledge for what works best for your brand and at the end of the day it's math math doesn't change and so when we go back to it i think the reason people forget is you hear about this really exciting sexy topic so you want exciting, sexy metrics. You want new KPIs and new metrics to go out there to say, oh, well, we can't measure this the same way as other media because this is exciting and new. And I can speak to this with a bit of authority because I lived this when I started at Facebook because it was not a part of anything when I started there. It was, we want to see the value of a fan. That was the number one ask that we got from advertisers. We want to see the value of a fan. We want to see how many fans you brought us. We want to quantify that. No one was looking at it as reach and frequency. And I remember it was Brad Smallwood who was beating that drum consistently and methodically saying, guys, this is media. It's eyeballs and it's intent to purchase. Let's actually start doing some math behind that to see how it would be included. 
And it wasn't until we had a lot of clients start including us in their uh, media mix studies that then suddenly it was, oh, hang on, this is actually driving an impact. And I, it was literally overnight. Like it wasn't overnight getting them to that hump that took a lot of work in terms of the proof points and helping them understand how social media worked, Facebook in particular. I see that same thing happening now with creators and the entire creator economy. So let's actually measure this the same way you're measuring everything else. And we'll work with you to see what's that output. Because here's the thing. It happened with social media. It happened with search. Do you understand? Talk about the oddball in. That's not, I, that's like actively people typing in words to search for things. And suddenly the math is different. This brings us back to the center point of, yeah, we can come up with all those new things and that's fine. And sometimes it's needed. Sometimes, right? Like, well, what does sentiment mean? What does engagement mean? What does re-engagement re rate mean? You can't forget that you can only build to that once you have the foundation set and the foundation, you already know what it is. It's going to be reach, frequency, and actual planning. So it's all about, it's the basics. It's reach, as you just said, reach, frequency, and planning. And here goes to the next part, and you set it up beautifully. Let's talk about those MMM analysis and, and what we've been doing. And it's really interesting because when we are out in the marketplace talking to clients, I'm spending a lot more money on creators. Uh, my CFO wants to know how I'm measuring it and what the impact is. Help me broker that conversation. Help me feel comfortable. Help me not get fired. And inevitably, creators as media was not factored into any MMM study. Tell me a little bit about what the work that you did with Nielsen just take us back to the beginning and set it up as the full project with the this new MMM study that just came out. Yeah, so my biggest challenge that I identified coming to Whaler was there's all these metrics coming from all over the place. No single client has a clear understanding of which metrics should be included in their wrap report, how they should be measuring success. And I wanted to get a better understanding of how are creators actually incorporating into all these clients' media mixes, right? So you have disparate verticals, disparate regions, disparate markets. And I very quickly realized there's only one way to do this, and that's using a fairly heavy but sophisticated analytic tool that is going to equivalize and normalize every single input across every single possible media touchpoint. And what we were going to do for the first time was have creators be their own touchpoint not lumped in with everything else, not lumped in with different activations. Whaler worked with Nielsen to identify 23 campaigns in the CPG personal care space to actually understand what the impact of creators were to the overall media mix. You've done this analysis. Walk us through some of the findings because they're pretty extraordinary and above and beyond what you had expected. Let's talk about the, first of all, the big headline impact about the contribution to sales. Yeah, so what we actually discovered in this analysis with Nielsen is creators drove a 2.4x ROI in the media mix. And so to break that down, what that means is for every dollar our clients spent with us on creator activations here at Whaler, they got $2.40 back in total sales. And this isn't you know, a survey where we asked people, hey, did you think about buying this product? Did you intend to buy this product? 
that's valuable in its own right. This actually measured sales. This actually looked at the total sales volume for the category and determined that creators were driving pretty huge impact. That's an extraordinary finding, but you had more results that are pretty amazing as well. And let's go through those. What was the next one that's up on the on the hit list? The next one for me is, well, look at that. Creators do make everything better. And so what we actually found was when you combine the creator content with the total social bucket, we found that creator content improved the ROI of social by 14%, meaning it made every asset in that bucket work harder. It made it more efficient. So it's actually showing that creators on its own, yes, it does very well, but it's bleeding into the other channels as well. And we have found this consistently across every other channel that we're measuring, including online video, TV, and Do you have a hypothesis for why that is? I think part of what we're seeing is creators provide an unprecedented opportunity to reach audiences that these brands never had access to before, right? So you have these really, really close-knit communities of people that care. These are like-minded people and they transcend the traditional targeting parameters of women aged 25 to 34. It can be anyone. It could be makeup artists we've seen for over a decade, all walks of life, all gender expressions, all different um, locations around the world. And so what creators do is they are able to authentically and from a place of accountability, deliver content to people that they are in a much better place to receive. That's a hypothesis that I have, but so far it's bearing fruit, right? Hey, hang tight. We're not going anywhere. Our Everything is Better with Creators podcast will be right back after a word from our sponsors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. So... I've just heard this. I'm a planner. I'm a marketer. What are the questions that they should be asking about how to put more investment into creators? And how would you answer the question of does it really work? I think that's a great question because I'm sitting here talking about research that Whaler conducted for Whaler's purposes that show Whaler is great, right? Here's what you need to do, media planner. Measure it yourself. I would love the opportunity to find a way to actually 
help an, uh, a client, a brand, an agency, whomever it is, build a customized model for their specific brand. But in order to do that, bring us into the planning process. If you want creators to make everything better in your media mix, what's your plan for the media mix? What is your creative initiative? What's your acquisition strategy? What's your sales goal with creating content for TV, with creating content for print, out of home, other social? Because then we can come to you with a one, two-year strategy for, hey, these are the creators you can work with who will produce content for you and evangelize their communities in service of your brand because their community is getting the utility of working with the great brand as well and seeing their content and getting early access. That's the way these communities see it. And so that would be my ambitious ask for media plan. Bring us into the planning process so that you can make sure creators are a part of it and enhancing everything else you're doing so that you see the impact a year, two years later. Well, we did this and I'll play a little bit of a, um, a friendly jousting here. We did this with CPG campaigns, right? So say I'm a, a tech, I have a tech client or a QSR or something that's not CPG. Is it apl applicable? I mean, can I extrapolate these same for different kinds of categories? I think you can extrapolate the overall learnings for other categories. Absolutely. Now, is it going to be do exactly X, Y, and Z that personal care CPG did is going to apply to travel? Probably not. But at the end of the day, a statistical analysis doesn't care which vertical you're in. It's looking at the eyeballs. It's looking at how frequently those eyeballs were exposed. And then comes in the nuance of, well, what are the specialties of your sub-vertical? What are the specialties of your business? And so I think this is a pretty compelling argument for all of these other verticals Let's measure these two. Let's identify, okay, how does, the how does the media math change ever so slightly for a QSR, for a retail, for a travel, or whatever the case might be? But I would say, given the rigor behind the analysis, these learnings can absolutely be extrapolated um, across the spectrum. So would you anticipate that some bright, innovative, young media planner is going to hear this and say, wait a second. I'm going to walk into the CFO's office and I'm going to say, we need to spend more money on creators. Since that's probably not going to happen and there's a lot of pushback, let's demystify this. What are the myths that people are going to say, oh, that doesn't work? Like, what is it? Just break this down to the fundamentals of what this gives someone the roadmap and the freedom to ask the questions to learn. Yeah, because this goes back to how we started this conversation, Jamie, which is, it's hard to say something else is going to work if you firmly believe that what you're currently doing is working. Meaning I'm going to stick with TV and that's all I'm doing? Okay. I, I said it. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but okay. I mean, your words, I'm just saying. But I, I think, you know, that's a very real thing. And it's very understandable where a lot of media planners, a lot of marketers, brand managers, CFOs are like, well, we know this is working. And let's be realistic about the world we live in today. There is a lot of economic uncertainty. A lot of people are being laid off. With all the layoffs, several brands are concerned. What does this mean for consumer demand, for our products? So there's a lot of swirl here. So what my ask would be for a media planner is, let's not boil the ocean. Let's test it. Let's identify a way that you can show the efficiency that creators can bring to your mix so that you can go and say, hey, actually, 
we know that creators are going to make our entire media mix better. We know that they're going to make other media channels work even harder than they're already working. So we should probably figure out a way to fund some more initiatives so we can prove that out, so we can do better and smarter planning down the road. And build more benchmarks that are specific to your brand, which is what we hear a lot of is, is they don't have them. So I think it brings up a, a bit of a best practices question here that this study is giving rise to, which is planning. Pull creator media in upfront, creatively, strategically, financially with your investments, because a lot of organizations, they do their planning, they put their money into the bigger, more traditional investments, and then they bring creator content in as sort of an afterthought three months down the road. And I'd love for you to unpack a little bit about best practices on when they should start to think about creator content and how they should start to think about it as part of their overall media investment. So what we're seeing as far as best practices yielding from the study and additional work that we've done is it comes down to as you finalize your brand strategy, that's when you should start bringing creators in. Because the myth that we need to bust is there's a creator du jour, right? That there's someone who had one viral post. And so you need to have the flexibility to get that one creator. But, and this is where you know this so much better than I do, that rarely is the right creator for the brand, right? Like whoever was viral today, who, and that's not also, that's also not a creator. That's somebody who the algorithm gods favored one day, and that's a post that got a lot of traction and they got a lot of following. And so by actually planning for the creators that you want to be ambassadors for your brand, and you want to be an ambassador for their brand right? They're bringing you into their community. And so there's a mutual utility that's happening here. So you should make the most of it because what ends up happening is, and we've seen this, when it's a last minute, we want to find these 30 creators for this initiative. You're chasing down 30 people to sign contracts, to produce content, to do edits, to be briefed on the nature of the brand. You wouldn't rush a Super Bowl ad. You shouldn't be rushing anything that's reaching a large audience that creators have access to. I think the other thing to do is instead of focusing on just one mega creator, focus on a wide spectrum, have yet yeah, one or two large creators, and then have uh, other size creators along the spectrum. Because what we discovered is you can maximize your organic reach by maximizing the number of creators you have in service of your brand the algorithms will actually favor you if you have multiple creators posting about your product versus if you have just one creator posting about your product, that's the equivalent of you posting organically from your page. This, this way you ensure maximum reach. I wanna go back to something that you said before about surfaces. Can you talk a little bit about the competitive advantage and the, and the mechanics with organic content versus paid content and how creator content allows you, I don't necessarily wanna say it's a hack, but it allows you to gain more traction, more reach and more surface opportunity. So the way every single social platform is designed is none of them have an incentive to be owned by any particular brand. The research is consistent, all the, UX research done by every single platform shows that users 
hate seeing the same brand everywhere they look on any of the platforms. And so guardrails are built to prevent that, right? Like brands can only organically get so much distribution in a given day. They can only get so many placements in, let's say we're talking about the Instagram feed. Any media buyer knows like you, the first advertising opportunity is the second placement in the feed. Then the next is that it keeps going down the list. When you're working with creators, suddenly it's not just the brand posting, it's creators posting as well, which increases the opportunity for the content to be seen by different audiences. So you could have a brand be the first paid post for an ad in the feed and then have a creator two posts later posting organically and then have a creator five posts later with paid amplification of their own for the brand where suddenly in the same session, you have a user seeing content that, yes, is on brand, but two, are coming from sources that they want to see. So it's kind of that one-two punch that creators are able to give on these platforms. And what I always say as well is, if you're planning only on organic, you are truly at the whim of the algorithms. It, it just is what it is. If there is a landmark event that day, you're not getting distribution. You're not getting distribution. If there is a news cycle, positive or negative, it's going to get drowned out and the algorithm has no incentive to promote that content. I always say, whenever you look at a media mix and this bears out in the MMM study we did with Nielsen, you're having Sunday roast. You're sitting down, you're having your protein, your vegetables. That's your paid media. The gravy, it makes it better and that's organic but you would never tuck into just a bowl of gravy for dinner. I mean, some people might, but if you think about it from that perspective, organic makes it better. It's, it's just the extra on top to bring it home, but you can't plan around organic. Try as some might, it simply can't be done. And so that's one of the real learnings that this study has shown us as well, where by planning for maximum exposure, you can actually get even more organic impressions, but that has to be done through a lens of like, how are we paying for this amplification? The other thing that I found so helpful in the study was the reminder that when you plan up front, you're treating the creator as a collaboration. They're not actors. You're collaborating with them as a business. So you're now bringing them into your world and they're bringing you into their world, which you, most brands don't have access to. When you're bringing a creator in as a, as a true collaboration partner, it's not transactional, which means that their audiences that you're working very hard to reach get to know you as a brand, get to trust you. You become a member of the community. You're invited in. And that longitudinal opportunity so that it's a series just like any kind of a collaboration gives audiences the chance to really build loyalty with your brand through the lens of the creator. And that execution, which is kind of antithetical to what a lot of brands do now, which is a one and done, we say post and ghost, uh, it really loses the benefit of why you're working with creators. It gives people that chance that the all important metric of trust. And that's what this is all about, right? If you've got products that people are trying to make a decision between, the product they trust the most is the one that's going to get their dollars. And trust is a very important metric that you cannot really get with just a post and ghost uh, approach. 
I, I completely, completely agree with that. And I think that's a much better way of saying what I had said before, right? When you had, no, no, when you had asked me, you were like, what's your hypothesis to why the ROI was so high? That, <laughs> what you just said, that. That is my fervent belief. Like we're seeing it in our Reaching the Unreachables research. We saw that as generations are getting younger, they're moving away from the finished film, cinematic, 30-second, non-skippable ad format. Is there anybody that likes an ad? This is the function of, of really and truly. Does anybody really like a, a commercial other than when it's an event commercial? People like what they've always liked. And it takes that bit of empathy and gentle pushing to be like, no, trust me, you like this too. Give it a shot. Give it a go. This will work. Because I agree with you completely. I, I will often find myself fully watching an ad on TikTok until I realize, oh, this isn't creator content, it's an ad. Oh, got you. And next, next thing I know, I'm buying pants I didn't want. Like, okay, cool. It happens all the time because it's entertaining. And that's what we always say is like, what people don't realize is that you're scrolling the length of the Empire State Building every day. Right. So for a brand to get any kind of, attra of traction in that, you have to capture their attention. It has to be entertaining to, to keep their attention. And then if you get the algorithm to see that the community is engaging with it, then you actually have a shot at viral genius, but not unless people are engaging with it. And I'm not sure how many people really truly engage with an old school commercial. So that, I think that's where the proof point is. But so in, in sort of as a, as a final wrap up, what is your advice to someone that is creator curious wants to learn about how to do this the right way, uh, what should they be thinking about? What questions should they be asking their media agency, their partners, their colleagues in their office? How do you go about becoming creator ready? I think the best way to start is I would love to do a test with creators because it gets intimidating. We're sitting here talking about MMM and this really complicated, that's a heavy lift study. Let's do an experiment. Let's actually do a test, identify a brand or two, identify a campaign or two where you want to say, hey, you know what? We want to use creators for this and work with a creator agency that is designed to help you beginning to end, identifying the creators, identifying the brief, helping the creators understand the brief so that way they're on point with the brand. And then the North Star, measuring what matters so you can go back and say this test was successful. And this is what we learned. And by the way, from a measurement standpoint, every test is successful, even if it doesn't drive sales lift, even if it doesn't drive lift, because you will learn what didn't work very, very quickly. And you do say that frequently. We love that. So uh, people can go to whaler.com and get a copy of the white paper. Is that, is that true? Absolutely. Okay, great. Well, guys always learning something from you and laughing. So you, you, you make data a little bit more interesting and accessible uh, for us. And, and you, you didn't actually make me feel like I asked too many dumb questions, but I appreciate your patience. You did not ask any. This was a fun conversation. Thank you for indulging me and letting me geek out. Measure what matters. And I guess the final words is everything is better with creators and now we can prove it. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Everything is Better with Creators is honored to be a part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network, and we are grateful for your support.
If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. And if you have a moment, we'd appreciate a rating and review. up with all things Whaler and the latest in the creator economy, visit us at whaler.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This is Ashley Rudder signing off for now. We'll catch you next time with another episode of Everything is Better with Creators, powered by Whaler. Thanks for tuning in. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.